Well, we at Oak Ridge, we've been kind of on a theme since the new year started. Kind of, we introduced a word of the year for you that is our theme, what we've been talking about. Anybody tell me, what is that theme? relationships. We've been talking about koinonia, fellowship, relationships, and we've been kind of trying to frame in our understanding of relationships uh, with this verse that we find in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, where the apostle Paul says this, say it with me, because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. We've been encouraging you to think about people in your life who maybe are disconnected from the Lord, disconnected from church and from the fellowship of the body, and to be intentional about building relationships. We've encouraged you to pray and to say, God, would you lay on my heart just just one person, at least one person that I could bring before you as a relationship that I intentionally want to build. Am I crackling super bad? I don't know if there's anything that I can do about it. Is my battery good? I'm good with battery. See if I can try to stop crackling. I don't know why I am crackling as bad as I am. High energy. Well, we'll see. We'll see. (laughs) So we've been encouraging you with this one person to build that relationship. And again, as Easter comes up in, in a couple of weeks, that hopefully that would be a person that if you've been building that relationship, it's somebody that you could say something to like, hey, I don't know what you're doing for Easter Sunday, but I'm excited to celebrate the Lord, and I'd like to invite you to my church, Oak Ridge Wesleyan. We gather at 10 a.m. and just invite them to be a part of us. And, and if you know how to build relationships, some of you are just good at that. You're, you're relationship builders. Do what you know to do. Some of you maybe are like me, and, and relationships are a little bit of a challenge, and so we've offered the tool of the one challenge, and we've said, If you want to build a relationship with somebody, pray for them once a day. At least once a day, just offer their name to the Lord in prayer. Once a week, reach out to them. Say something to them. Connect with them verbally or with a text or a message online, but just connect with them somehow during the week. And once a month, do something kind to be with them. A couple of weeks ago, we transitioned from this initial series on relationships to talking about really the the foundation of what Scripture gives us for relationships, the relationships that we have at home with our spouse and with our children. We talked about how God has designed our spouse as a co-equal helpmate. Now, that word helpmate really means that they represent God in the relationship to us. They are equal to us, and they represent God to us in the relationship. And that God calls us mutually to submit to our spouse. Wives should see their husband as Christ in the relationship and be submissive. And just as Christ submitted himself to the church, giving his life for her, husbands should be submissive to their wives. And he invites us to intentionally choose love. We talked about our children and how to have godly relationships with them by teaching and training them, preparing them to be be adults. We said that we need to care for them and encourage and comfort them, urging them to live lives for Jesus as we model God's presence. This week, I want to talk to you about one of the most basic things that we can do in our lives to have godly relationships. And yet sometimes when it comes to our family, I think it can be one of the easiest things to forget to let slide or to neglect. 
Now, if you have a Bible with you this morning, I'd invite you to get out your Bible. It might be a papery Bible or it might be a digitally Bible. If you forgot one, there should be a Bible in the chairs in front of you. You can borrow that one, but I invite you to get out your Bible and just lift it up nice and high this morning and say, I got my Bible, PJ. I am so glad that you have God's Word. This morning we are going to be flipping around a little bit in the Bible. So if you have the note guide, there's all of the passages that are coming up. If you want to kind of flip there and and earmark some of those, you can. If you just want to follow along on the screens, you're welcome to do that as well. We've been encouraging you with this 1-1-1 challenge to build a relationship with somebody who isn't currently connected with the church as a means of sharing with them your life and hopefully having an open door to share with them the gospel as well. And the things that we've been asking you to do are pretty much the foundations of what relationships are all about. In fact, a lot of these things are things that we believe you're probably naturally doing with the people in your home. If you think about them, we said once a month you should do something kind for your one, the person that's your intentional relationship. And in your family, I hope that at least once a month you do something kind for your spouse or for your kids. But if you haven't, let that be a reminder. At absolute bare minimum, once a month, do something intentional to hang out with them, something kind to show them that you love them. We've said that with your one, once a week, you should talk to them in some way. If you have a spouse and you have kids, I hope that you are in communication with them. Now, the reality is, even though we say things every day, sometimes we don't really talk. And so at least once a week, be intentional to move beyond just the simple things of sharing what your plans for the week are to actually talking and listening to one another. I want to share with you a simple tool this morning if you have never have no idea if, if maybe communication is really tough for you and your spouse. This is something that Christia and I got uh, a couple months ago from some coaches that are kind of coaching us in life and ministry, and they said, here's a simple tool you can use. Go on a walk with each other and set a point that you're going to walk to, and on the way out, it's one person's turn to talk, and the other person just listens doesn't try to solve anything, doesn't try to give any feedback, doesn't try to to really bounce anything off of them, just lets them talk and share. And when you get to the turnaround point, you turn around and you just flip roles. And it's amazing how you can be heard when you just have the space to talk. So we would share that with you as a tool. We'd love to talk to you more about it if you want to talk to us more about what that's meant to our lives. But at least once a week, right, should be setting aside intentional time to talk to your spouse and kids. And we've said with your one that every day be praying for them lifting them before the lord and yet the truth is probably of these three things in our family i'm guessing that it's natural and it seems easy to do nice things for them and it's a little bit easy to to talk to them from time to time when they're there but sometimes the thing that slides is remembering to pray for our family members every day And I want to talk with you this morning why I believe it is so important for us to bring our family before the Lord and really any relationship that we find ourselves in. Why is it so important to bring those relationships before the Lord in prayer? And first of all, I'd say this. It's because koinonia starts with God. 
fellowship, relationship, koinonia, starts with the God in whose image we are created. Our most important relationship is our relationship with God. He created us in his image, and that is the foundation of our relationships in life. Similarly, the most important relationship in the life of anybody you're trying to build a relationship with is their relationship with God. Your most important relationship is with God. Their most important relationship is with God. And what happens in our relationships is that as two individuals move closer to God, they inevitably move closer to one another. Bringing somebody before the Lord in prayer will always move God closer to each of you. When you are bringing your spouse before the Lord in prayer, you are moving closer to Jesus. Because you are consistently seeking God on your spouse's behalf, continuing to say, I want to lift her before you. I want what you want for her. And you are continuing to draw yourself closer to God. And at the same time, you are continuing to ask God to move closer to your spouse. So they are being drawn closer to God, and you are being drawn closer to God at the same time. Now, if you've never seen this, many of you probably have, I want you to go ahead and somewhere on your note guide, if you have a pen, I want you to draw a, a, a point and just write God over it. And then if you would draw a line out from one of it, and you can say something like me, and you can draw a line the other way, and you can say something like God, like them or uh, son, daughter, or maybe you want to put their name or their spouse. And you've probably seen this before, but what happens in our relationships is as I move closer to God, and as they move closer to God, inevitably, we become closer than we were when we started. In Romans chapter 15, 30, the Apostle Paul, I think, acknowledges how this kind of works. He says this. He says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of the Spirit, to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me comes right at the end of Paul's letter to the Roman church. He's on his way to Jerusalem. He's collected a gift from all of the churches of Asia Minor and Greece, and he's on his way back to Jerusalem as he writes this letter to the church in Rome. And he says, I'm going there, and I have a work that I want to do, and after I'm there, my intention is to come visit you, and then I'm on my way to Spain to share the gospel. And here's what I want. I want you to join your life with me. Join in my struggle. And the way that you can do that, the way that you can join my mission and my struggle and my goal in life is to pray for me. Because when we pray for somebody, we join our lives to their struggles and their goals, their mission, their joys and their victories in life. And this is an even more powerful connection than talking with somebody or doing something kind for somebody. Because when we talk and when we do kind things, we connect on a heart level and we connect on an emotional, mental level as well. But when we bring somebody before the Lord in prayer and we are drawn closer to the Lord and the Lord moves closer to them, we begin to connect our lives on a spiritual level, the deepest level of who we are as human beings. Prayer is important because koinonia starts with God. It is God in whose image we are made. 
The God who says, let us make mankind in our image, who Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are in relationship with one another, and yet they make human beings and desire a relationship with these human beings. God makes us in his image and says, you are built for relationship. You were created for the relationship with me, and you were created for a relationship with other human beings. And this is just one of the ways that you reflect me, who is in relationship and desires a, hum a relationship with human beings. When we pray, we connect on this spiritual level that remembers that koinonia, that fellowship, that relationships, it's all about God. It's all about the God in whose image we are made, the God who loves and longs for us and for our family members. Another reason that prayer is so important is simply that God is bigger than me. God is infinitely greater than we are. And as much as I might want good things for my family, I have this realization that I am not the strongest being in existence. The prophet Isaiah he's kind of records God's reflections on this in Isaiah chapter 55. God says, As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, my thoughts than your thoughts. And as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty. It will accomplish what I desire. It will achieve the purpose for which I sent it. In the prophet Isaiah, God is saying, when I speak, things happen. We remember again the creation story, this God who said, let there be light, and there was light. This God who said, let there be a separation to separate the waters below from the waters above. Let land come forth. Let there be birds and fish. Let there be animals along the ground. And every time God speaks, it was so. Because God's voice is so powerful that he accomplishes what he desires simply by speaking. And when we pray for our family, we are reminded that I cannot always control what happens, but God simply by speaking is able to create universes. And nothing that God says returns to him void, returns to him empty. Again, the reality is, is that for most of us with our families, we expend a lot of energy trying to accomplish our desires, and yet we're often unable to get what we want out of life or the relationships that we have or even our family members. In James, James says this in James chapter 4. He says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you don't have. So you kill. You covet, but you can't get what you want. So you quarrel and you fight. You don't have because you don't ask God. And when you ask, you don't receive it because you ask with wrong motives. And you may spend what you get on your pleasures. See, so often in our family, we have these desires and we have these things that we would say, I want my family member to do what I want. If only I could get him to do the things I want him to do. I just need a well-trained husband. 
If only I could get my kids to do the things that I want. I have dreams. I have desires. Can't they just see that what I want for them is good? And we fight. And we quarrel. And we covet. And we look at other families and we say, man, if only she could be like that wife. If only my son was like their kid. And we quarrel. And we expend so much energy and in the end it doesn't work all that well we aren't able to accomplish what we want and even if we come to god half the time we're just saying god can you make them what i want and god says no but what he invites us into is prayer and prayer is not about saying god do what i want make them what i want it's about god saying or saying god Here's my spouse. Here's my kids. I offer them to you. And I ask you to do what you want in their lives. Call my son, call my daughter to what you want them to be. Conform them into your image, God. Make them what you have for them. Because God, whatever I might desire for them, however much I love and care for them, I will never love and care for them the way you do. You, not me, is their first relationship. You, not me, is the priority in their life. And so God invites us to recognize that he is bigger, that he is more powerful than we are, and he offers us in prayer the ability to lay our family down before him that we might experience what Paul talks about to the church in Philippi. If you've ever heard a sermon on prayer, you've probably heard this one. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all because the Lord is near. So don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Whatever the situation is, whatever the tension is, whatever the desire is that you have for your kids or for your spouse, simply be, know that you are invited to rejoice in God's presence, to sit before God and to say, God has done great things. God has moved. His word never returns void. He accomplishes what he wants simply by speaking so I can rejoice in who you are and in my dealings with my family. I'm gentle, and they don't see me quarreling and fighting and striving to get them to do and to conform to me, but they see my gentleness. I don't have to be anxious about anything, but in every situation that happens with them, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, I come to the Lord, and I say, God, will you be God in their life? Will you move closer to them? Will you allow them to be conformed to your image and your desire and what you have for them? And as I give my family to the Lord, the peace of God comes into my life. And it doesn't even make sense because they might not be doing what I want. and they, they might still not be doing the things I desired. But I get peace from the Lord knowing He's in control. And He guards my heart and mine, because I know that the one, Christ Jesus, who died on the cross for them to redeem them and purchase them back into relationship with him is bigger than me 
and He is in control. We so often stress about the situations in our home. We want what is best for our spouse and our kids. We want to have closer relationships. We worry about areas of conflict. We do all we can to keep them safe and healthy. We worry not only about their physical lives, but their emotions and their souls. And the temptation, if we're honest, so often is to control them by our willpower and our dominance. And it very rarely results in what we want to see happen. And it almost never results in a deeper relationship with the people we love and desire to be closer to. And so God invites us into something different, into prayer, an acknowledgement that he loves them more than we ever could, and that while there are things that God calls us to do to reflect his presence and to show love to our spouse and to our kids, he is not asking us to be in control of their lives. Rather, he's inviting us to surrender in prayer to a God who is infinitely bigger than we are. Why pray for our family? Because God is the foundation of koinonia. He's bigger than I am and because the effects of faithful prayer can be radical. When we pray, we acknowledge that God is bigger than we are and by faith we align ourselves with Him and His work, His power, His presence in His kingdom. Jesus had some pretty profound things to say about all of this using the illustration or the parable of a mustard seed. Matthew chapter 13 says, He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. A man took it and planted it in his field. And though it is the smallest of all seeds, when it grows, it's the largest of garden plants. It becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in its branches. A little later in Matthew 17, he says, Truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. With God and in his kingdom, nothing is impossible. The smallest seeds of faith offered to the Lord can grow into the most beautiful of trees, that the birds come and nest in. The, the smallest of prayers can see mountains moved when offered in faith. When we pray for our family, we tap into the presence of the God of what seems impossible. We plant seeds in the lives of our kids and the lives of our spouse. And we say, God, I don't know that I have a lot of faith. When I look at the situation, when I look at what is going on, it seems so difficult. God, I just want to offer a prayer of faith, believing that you want to move in their lives. And Jesus says that smallest seed can blossom into something big and beautiful. God's kingdom can take root with the smallest seed of faith. We look at the mountains that are in front of our spouse and kids and say, that obstacle seems so huge and so insurmountable. I don't know how they're going to get past it. I don't know how I'm going to get past it doing life with them. And Jesus says, faith as small as a mustard seed, the tiniest droplet of faith, allowing ourselves to connect to the God who speaks universes into being. We can see mountains moved. If we really had any concept at all of how powerful prayer and faith 
can be in the lives of our loved ones, we would be crazy not to pray for them regularly because the smallest seeds of faith can grow into something beautiful and radical. The truth this morning is some of you are prayer warriors and you have a system of praying for the people in your life that works and you are diligent in prayer. Maybe you wake up every morning and you get a cup of coffee and you sit down and you pray over your family members and the people in your life. Maybe every night before bed you take a walk in the neighborhood and and you pray to the Lord. Some of you are journalers and I know that you've got like a, a journal and you jot down what you're praying for and you cross it off when it's been prayed for. And some of you have something else that you do. And if you're regularly praying and something is working and you're drawing near to the Lord and laying down your family before them, I always want to say, keep going. Keep doing what you're doing. Now, some of you may feel like, I need a little bit of help in this area. I need a little bit of practical help starting off with praying for my family. And so I want to share with you a tool that I found years ago that was helpful to me. I remember when I was a little boy, um, when I was first taught to pray by my parents, I was taught every night to go, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. Anybody pray this prayer as a young one, right? And then I got to the end of the prayer and I thought, well, there should be a little bit more. And I I think it was my parents who said, well, just ask God to bless the people in your life. So I remember I would get to the amen and then I would say, and God bless mommy and daddy and grandma. And I'd start listing all of the people in my life. And as I grew a little bit older, I started going, well, I kind of want to say a little bit more. And I started just kind of saying, all right, God, this person's kind of going through this thing. Can you help them with that? And this person's kind of going through this thing. Can you kind of help them with that? And and a few years ago, I kind of felt like this just feels kind of vanilla to me, if I'm honest. I I really want to pray for the people in my life, but sometimes I'm just, I'm not sure what to say or where to start. And I ran across this tool called the 31-Day Prayer Challenge. Uh, It's an app that you can download on your phone. If you're watching online this morning, hopefully we can blow that up and maybe you can scan that QR code and get directly to it. I think if you have the bulletin guide, it's it's there in the worship guide as well if you want to download the app. It has a number of different prayer challenges for 31-day prayer challenges. I've specifically done the ones for your spouse and and daughter. Um, There's others in there that you might find helpful as well. So again, if you have a tool, if you're regularly praying, keep doing that. If you're looking for a new tool or you're saying, maybe my prayers for my spouse and my kids feel a little bit vanilla in my life and I'm just looking for a little bit of of help in knowing what can I pray, what kinds of things can I say to God as I'm wanting to draw nearer to him in prayer and ask him to move nearer to my family that I love so much, I'd encourage you. I've tried this tool and I found it helpful in my life. God invites us to pray for our spouse and our children as a way of growing in that relationship. Prayer is so important because koinonia starts with God. He's bigger than we are. And when we come to him in prayer, the smallest prayers offered in faith can have results that are radical in the lives of those we love. I can only wonder what might happen if we were a devoted praying church, praying for our own spouse and kids, lifting them before the Lord constantly and consistently in prayer. I'd encourage you to do just that. Will you pray with me this morning as we close? God, I thank you for the relationships that you give us in life. Each human being 
is created and designed to bear the image of God, to be a reflection of who you are and your presence in our lives. You call us who know you, who trust you, who've been redeemed by the work of Jesus to be intentional and allowing our lives to reflect you to those that we're in relationship with, but particularly the relationships that we have at home, those of our spouse and our kids. So help us, God, to be intentional in those relationships, to be who you've made us to be, to reflect your love, to reflect your presence, to reflect who you are. And God, help us to know that what you're asking us to do is not to control our spouse, not to control our kids, but to consistently move our lives closer to you and to consistently bring them before you and ask God that you would move closer to them, that their lives might be conformed to your desires, your wishes, your plan, your purpose for them. God, as we surrender our families to you, may we experience the peace of God that doesn't even make sense in the midst of all the things that we go through, but we simply know that the God who came as Jesus Christ and died on the cross on our behalf has their best interest at heart and our best interest at heart. May we be a praying church for the families we represent. In Jesus' name. I want to remind you again of the uh, opportunity to give your tithes and offerings and any Connect cards you may have as you exit the sanctuary. Uh, you can also uh, go to oakridgewc.com slash give. We want to invite you back again. Next Sunday is Palm Sunday, so it's going to be a, a great celebration as we begin Holy Week. And we hope that as you've been intentional in building relationships with your one, that maybe sometime in the next couple of weeks you'll have the opportunity to invite them particularly to join us on Easter Sunday, although any Sunday would be a wonderful time to join us. Go with God and have a great week. God bless. Thank you.